This podcast is generously supported by Zondervan Bibles and the NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible edited by D.A. Carson, featuring notes and articles that help you follow God's redemptive plan as it unfolds throughout Scripture. Find out more at NIVBiblicalTheologyStudyBible.com. Want to learn how to interpret and teach the entire Bible in a way that is Christ-centered and clear? Learn with us here on the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Nate Aiken here with the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast, where we want to have conversations about seeing Christ in all the scriptures in a way that is clear and life-changing. And you can find out more about Christ-Centered and Clear at our website, ChristCenteredAndClear.com. You'll find there sermons, articles, and many resources to, to help you. Uh, and also, please, with this podcast, review it, rate it, share it with friends. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I have with me today on the podcast uh, twin brother John Aiken, uh, who helps me lead this podcast. And then we also have Jeff Hay, who you've heard from in a previous podcast, Pastor in Ireland. We have with us uh, Jason Redberg. So, brothers, thanks for being on the podcast. All right, John, we'll stick with you. Chapter three, Rad, Shad, and Benny. Tell us summary. Rad Shad and Benny. Rad and Tell us summary, and then we'll jump into Christ Connections as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a such a great book. And one of the things I didn't see as a kid that I saw um, here is that you just get out of that chapter that Jason's uh, told us about with this image, and the head is made of gold, and then Nebuchadnezzar creates a huge image, and the whole thing's made of gold. Now, we're not told exactly why. He does that, but is he is he trying to resist God's revelation in that dream and saying, look, my kingdom is going to be established. It's going to be all of gold and it's not going to be taken out. Uh, but he puts this huge gold uh, image statue forward. He kind of mimics the Great Commission and he pressures every people, nation and language to bow down to it when the music plays or die. Most everybody does it without thinking twice because they know he can follow through on killing them. Um, but three men refuse. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse. Uh, the text tells us certain Chaldeans come forward to maliciously accuse the Jews. Uh, no doubt they were jealous of the favor that these guys had. Uh, they're brought before Nebuchadnezzar, who's ticked off that they disobey him, right? He gives them a second chance. He's sure they're going to back down, uh, but they don't. And um, they basically say, look, you know, throw us in the fire. You know, our God can save us. Even if he doesn't, we're not going to. We're not going to be unfaithful to him, and so they're they're thrown into the, they heat the the furnace seven times hotter, uh, and they're thrown in. And when they look and see, like even the men at the door, the guards are being killed by how hot the flame is. But these three men don't die, and there's a they look inside and see a fourth that Nebuchadnezzar says is one like the son, a son of the gods, uh, and they all get out unharmed. And the end of the chapter is now Nebuchadnezzar in front of all the peoples and languages is praising that no God is able to save like the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so that's kind of a summary of the of the story. One question uh, that was uh, sent in from a listener was, um, is it Jesus in the furnace? Who's, who's the fourth in the furnace? I, I think it's, I definitely think it's Jesus. I mean, I think it's, it's the son of God. Jesus hadn't been born yet, but the yeah. the second the second person of the Trinity. I, I think I think it's uh, the Son of God in the the flame with him. Why is Daniel not uh, in the not in this narrative? 
It's a great question. The question always comes up. We're not told. Maybe he's away on business. Jason, Jeff, any textual things to add, summary things to add? No, that's great. I mean, it's just interesting some of the textual stuff that this man-made God that's set up and the language is repeated. It's set up, set up, set up, set up, set up by Nebuchadnezzar, whereas in chapter two, we know it's God uh, who removes and sets up kings. Uh, and that's just great narrative. Jason? Yeah, I was just going to mention the same thing, just that what Jeff just said, those repeat, those phrases, similar phrases repeated eight times in the first 15 verses. Obviously, we're supposed to take something from that, both the contrast of, of Nebuchadnezzar putting himself in the place of God, and yet um, he is marked by instability and insecurity, and he can't be, he can't be trusted um, it's just a, a pretty startling contrast. Any thoughts on the other two questions? G- is it Jesus? Is that the fourth or son of God, the fourth person? And why is Daniel not mentioned? Yeah, I don't know why Daniel's not mentioned, but we know from the rest of the book what Daniel would have done if he was there. Um, so, um, and I, I agree with John on, you know, the, the second person of the Trinity, it's, and even if you didn't want to agree with that, you would say it's some manifestation of the presence and power of God. Um, it's, it's clearly the, the picture here is God wrought salvation and his presence with his people. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's amazing how it happened because God could have just blowing out the fire but instead he steps into the fire well maybe i'm getting ahead of the christ connections but there but uh sorry sorry john (laughs) now be a good time to hear from our sponsor this podcast is generously supported by zondervan bibles and the niv biblical theology study bible edited by d.a carson biblical theology allows you to ponder the individual stories and themes of scripture while observing how they all fit together in god's grand biblical narrative that's why this unique study bible features three articles and introducing biblical theology and 25 articles unpacking key themes of scripture the niv biblical theology study bible contains detailed book introductions 20,000 verse by verse study notes 28 theologically rich articles by authors such as tim keller and kevin DeYoung, hundreds of full-color photos more than 90 maps and over 60 charts all of this allows readers to marvel at the big story while savoring each detail with a focus on biblical theology and the overarching story of scripture the niv biblical theology study bible helps readers follow god's redemptive plan as it unfolds throughout the scriptures find out more at niv biblical theology study bible.com yeah john so christ connections in in uh, chapter three yeah, so as it's been alluded to, there's a number of ways. One, just this issue of certain death and 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 walking out alive is a type of resurrection, uh, and so it's God God's servant faithful unto death, and then and then brought brought out alive and vindicated, and so you you have that. Um, I you also have the second Exodus theme that's running through the entire book, and then you, Daniel nine. Ultimately, the second Exodus is not going to be affected until the the anointed one is cut off till the crucifixion of the Messiah. But you have Deuteronomy 4, verse 20, refers to the the first exodus is referred to the Lord brought you out of Egypt's iron furnace to be a people for his inheritance. And so that's what's happening here is that and, and also not only is he he's bringing them out, but it, this is a 
sign to the people in Babylon in captivity. He is going to keep his promise. There is going to be a second exodus. You're going to be brought out. And to Jeff's point, Isaiah 43 says about the second exodus, I will be with you when you pass through the water and when you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire and the flame will not burn you. And so I think there's just this, um, th this theme of that God is going to deliver his people again in the same way that he did uh, in the exodus. And obviously the, the exodus of Jesus is the, is the final, is the final exodus. Um, and then, um, you know, to the other key point that I would bring out is this idea that he says that no God is able to save like your God. Okay. And how does our God save? Our God saves, as Jeff mentioned, not by blowing out the fire, but by coming into the fire with us. Uh, and this is, this is the amazing thing that he, that he actually suffers with his people, suffers for his people in order to ultimately deliver his people. And I always just think of, uh, there was a poem written after uh, World War One, uh, that's, that, um, talks about how the difference between our God and the other gods, the other gods are strong. They ride to the throne. Our God is meek and humble. Uh, and the way he gets to the throne is suffering. And he, and he says, um, you know, talking about coming out of World War One and all the wounds that they had. Uh, and he's, he's really referencing the story of Thomas, uh, you know, after the resurrection, but I think it, it, it holds here too. He says to our, to our wounds, uh, you know, only God's wounds can speak and not a God has wounds, but you alone. He's, this is the God who, who actually comes in, you know, and, and suffers with and for his people. And so I, th those are the kind of things I would draw out there. Jeff, uh, additional thoughts as far as Christ-centered connections in Daniel 3? I, I think he's uh, alluded to most of them there. That sounds great. Jason, any? Yeah, just generally uh, brought out that God alone has the power to save. And uh, by by means of illustration, just brought out the similarities between um, between Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being called out of this fiery tomb and Lazarus being called out of his tomb, both saved from certain death. Um, God alone can do this and therefore put your trust in him. That's good. I think the poem you mentioned, John, is that Shilato, God of the Scars, mm -hmm. is the title yeah. of that. Applications that you drew from Daniel 3? Just two I'll mention real quick. And one, I'm not trying to get too, too uh, you know, left field here, but um, th th there, is a, there is a time when God's people should exercise civil disobedience. I mean, it's just, it's incredibly clear. And, and, and that, those are not times when you don't like what's happening or you're not getting your way. It's when you're being asked to disobey the Lord and to be unfaithful to the Lord. And so you have this in Acts, you know, Acts chapter four, where they're commanded not to, to preach in the name of Jesus. And they just say, well, you, I mean, you, you judge whether we should listen to you or God. Um, and so, so there is a time for civil disobedience. Um, and then secondly, I just, I just want to impress again, this kind of humble faith. They're not, they're not shaking their fists in, in Nebuchadnezzar's face. And they say, look, Hey, listen, God may not even save us right now, you know, but, but we're still going to trust him because he's going to save us eventually. Like that's, so I just kind of bring out like, can God heal you of cancer? Yes. Can he, can he take away, you know, heart disease and, and can you, are you going through some, you know, challenge right now and you're hoping he's just going to vindicate you and bring you out like right now? Yeah, he can do that. And that's great. And, but even if he doesn't, 
you're going to, you know, remain faithful because he's the deliverance he's going to give you later is going to be even better. Like I always just tell people like being healed of cancer and living another 20, 30, 40 years is great. And and I, I pray that for every single one of my people living for 40 billion years in the presence of Jesus is way better than that. Uh, and so just to, just to have that kind of deep confidence in, in the Lord, uh, despite your circumstances. Jeff applications, Daniel three, nothing to add. Well, just that they could have been tempted to just compromise in this one area and say, I'm going to faithfully serve God all the other. And we'll just turn a blind eye to that. And I could even be a greater influence in my position now uh, in Babylon if I just uh, compromise at this point. And, and so just we could go into various ways, maybe be willing to compromise at some point so that we think the end will justify the means, but that's it's faithful obedience all the time, no matter what, uh, whenever we might be tempted to compromise on. Yeah. Jason, any other thoughts? Uh, just one point that uh, I brought out that God-centered faith produces God-exalting courage. So it wasn't, it wasn't, this is not a portrait of their own strength. It's not a portrait of their own wisdom. Therefore, the application isn't, hey, you ought to be just like these guys. You need their strength. You need to follow in their footsteps. But you need to understand God the way they understood God. Uh, And their vision and understanding of God and the way they revered and worshiped God is what produced in them this unwavering boldness to stand or not to, uh, to bow when they were commanded to. An old lecture of mine actually once said, and it was a hard-hitting point that I thought, Pooh, that's this passage. It's better to die than to sin. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.